every November, uh, October, November, I go away for a, a week by myself, locked in a cabin, and I'm really working. I'm taking all my notes that I've been gathering uh, all year and putting together as much as we can, anyway, the preaching calendar for the coming year. And so when I was working on the, back in October, November, the, the series on the Holy Spirit, you know, I was putting it all together and checking out the rest of the calendar and a lot of things you take into account. But I thought, okay, five weeks should, should do it. You know, we get the Holy Spirit in five weeks. It's going to be tight and all, but we can do this in five weeks. What was I thinking, right? So I'm getting into this. As I'm digging more and more. I'm thinking, oh, man, 35 weeks would probably have been better. And so this five weeks, I mean, t- next week is our last week in the series. Uh, hopefully, you've thought and you've been taking this series as like an introduction, a, a primer to the whole Holy Spirit. And let me just encourage you to keep the study personally going. You know, one of the things that uh, I, I do every year, read through, through the scripture, and often I'll take some colored pencils and I'll be looking for something specific, and every time I find it, I'll underline. Why don't you do that this year? Let me encourage you. Take a colored pencil. I use orange. Whichever color is fine, though. And start in Genesis, and as you go through, every time you see something that, that, that relates to the Holy Spirit, underline that you'll be surprised how much orange you have in your bible when it's all said and done because the scripture of course is replete with the holy spirit now as we're working through the the series though there was one passage that i knew we had to deal with this passage is perhaps one of the clearest if not the clearest passages in scripture that deal with how to live the christian life And it talks, of course, about the Holy Spirit because you cannot live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. But uh, I take it a little bit further than that, though. I believe you cannot live the Christian life without a proper understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to to Galatians chapter 5, grab your smartphones or your tablets uh, pull up your U version app. Galatians chapter five is where we're at this this morning, and we're going to work our way through this passage and just uh, unpack this thing. But let me read it for you first of all. He says, beginning in verse sixteen, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry and sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness and orgies, and and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That first line, walk by the Spirit. Uh, what in the world does that mean? All right? Walk by the Spirit. Lots of different thoughts on that. You know, when Teresa and I were dating, I, I remember this, I've got this etched in my mind. 
Uh, we were suburbs of Chicago. I took her to Wheaton College's campus, Pretty Campus. And I remember it was late at night, and we were walking through their campus. It was raining, and we were just like hand in hand, starry-eyed, you know, going nowhere particular, but we were just walking together. This does not mean that, right? It, it does not mean just kind of hanging out with the Holy Spirit. We're just kind of hanging because we love each other and enjoy each other. And we're just kind of going nowhere particular, you know, but just kind of being. It's not what it's re- referring to. This is not a hyper-spiritual trance that you enter into. This is not a magical sort of thing. This is not a, a, a you know, just kind of zoning out and ohm. And then the first thing that pops into your mind, you, you attribute that. I guess that's the Holy Spirit's voice. It's, it, it's, that is not what it is. The, the word walk, when it says walk by the Spirit, that can just as well be walk in the Spirit or walk with the Spirit. All, all same thing. It could be, maybe this is, this, is, this is the idea, keep in step with the Spirit. In, in other words, Holy Spirit in your life, almighty, eternal, infinite, omnipotent, omniscient God in your life, is going somewhere. He's not just hanging. You're not just, I'm just going to hang out here for a while. He's going somewhere. He's got a plan for you. And what, 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 what Paul is saying is get in line with that plan. He's going someplace. Get going with him. Walk behind him. Get in step with him. Follow his footprints. You go with the Spirit is what he's saying. And many of us, as we go through Christian life, we say, well, I, I want to walk with the Spirit. I'm just not really certain where he's going. You know, should I, should I take that job in Toledo or the one in, in Michigan or the one in Tennessee or the one in Texas? You know, I, I don't. So I'm praying and I'm kind of listening and I don't really, I think maybe he's saying Texas just so happens that that one pays most. And, but you know, I don't know if that's related or, or not. How do you know? Spirit's a real good communicator. He doesn't stutter. He's not into ambiguity. It's very, 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 very clear. And he tells you where he's going. Verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's where he's going. We often, we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about Toledo and Texas? You know, he's, I'm not so sure he cares necessarily. I think he can use you in any one of those you go to. That, that's fine. But he knows if you don't get this other set first, all of those, you're going to bomb out spiritually. But if you get these right, don't, don't, he'll take care of those others. That, that's a, don't even worry. He'll take care of those. But you've got to focus on this. This is where he's going. This is where he wants to take us. Now, I want you to know that that fruit of the Spirit, you know, that's his agenda. That's his direction. He didn't ask us for our input. This is where he's going. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's his plan. It's where he's taken us, where he wants to take us. You also notice that it's fruit of the Spirit, not fruit of the Spirit and Mark. No, it's not there. No, it's fruit of the Spirit. Uh, You notice that there's no commands to do these things. In this text here, there's no commands, therefore you should be more self-controlled, and therefore you should be more loving. There's no commands, because these are his fruit. You can't uh, generate fruit, right? I mean, you can generate artificial fruit, and it might look real, but but real fruit is, is alive. I mean, it's a living thing. 
spiritual growth is like spiritual birth. It's spiritual. The spirit has to do it. And so there's, there's no commands to do. This is something that he works in our life. No commands here. But now, now you, you, hang with me because this is, this, this is a deep theological thing Paul's getting into here. However, every one of these characteristics of fruit, of Holy Spirit-grown, sun-ripened fruit, elsewhere in Scripture we find commands to do them. Greatest command, right? Love the Lord your God, love your neighbors yourself. Uh, we got commands to rejoice always. Seventy times we get given that command to re- every one of these. We are commanded to do. Here's an example: Second Peter one. Just look at this for a second. He says, "For this very reason, make every effort." That sounds like work, doesn't it? To add to your faith. It's our job. Goodness. And to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Some of the exact same fruit of the Spirit are, are mentioned. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. Sounds like work. You've got to do these things. And you say, well, 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 hang on, hang on. I'm a bit confused. A minute ago, you said the Holy Spirit does this. I'm not supposed to. Holy Spirit steal. And now you're saying, I'm supposed to do this. What? Which is it? And of course, the theological answer to that question is yes. Right? You, you both do it. This is a, a key principle, and it's easy for us to get off here. It's really easy for us to get off here, but it's all over Scripture. So Psalm 127, you can see, let me see this throughout God's Word. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Now, how many of us would say it's useless for the, for the guards to watch the city? Just forget it because the Lord's going to take care of it. It's useless for me to worry about a savings account because the Lord's going to take care of it. It's useless for me to care about my health and do things that are healthy because the Lord will take care of it. How many of us go down that road? You don't. Or you shouldn't. It doesn't say that you shouldn't watch over the city. It just says that there are two working together. And don't forget who's the bigger working. Philippians 2. This is an interesting text because it almost, Paul is, is a little bit confusing here. He says, therefore, my dear friends, have you, as you have always obeyed, obedience is the deal here, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. You've got God working in you, Holy Spirit working in you. This is why we are to work. These two go hand in hand. They go together. And if you don't get that uh, clear, it can lead to all kinds of, of issues. You know, there are, are uh, folk who hold to the, it's all about, walking it's all about waiting on the lord it's all about the spirit doing it you don't have to do it let go let god quit trying don't quit getting in his way he can make it happen but you're in his way and and just stop and he'll do it let him take care of it let's just say i move to northern michigan from uh, florida Never seen snow before. But I get into northern Michigan. They get a lot of snow up there, right? So I, I get a, a snowblower. I go to the, the Lowe's, and they say, you know, this snowblower, man, is going to clean your driveway. And you're going, 
That's fantastic. So you get it, you bring it home, and you can't wait for snow. For snow. And you go out, you lift your garage door, and the snow is still there. And the drifts are still there. And you're waiting. How come this thing? They said it was going to clear the driveway. But it didn't do it. And so you get in your mind, right? You can go one of two ways with this. You can either say, this whole idea of a snowblower cleaning your driveway, it's just all a myth. It doesn't really do that. I, I know for a fact because my experience, it doesn't do it. It doesn't do it. Or, go down that road, or you can say, um, well, perhaps it's not the right time. And the snowblower is going to get out there and take care of it in his timing. And he understands, and it's not for me to question. So I'm just going to let the snowblower do it when he wants to, and he'll take care of it. And so you deny reality. So you go one of two places. Either you're, you're now a snowblower atheist, agnostic, or you are denying reality. But either way, you know what's going on, right? You're stuck in the house, and you can't get out. And you're, you're, you're chained, and your freedom is gone. You're either denying ra- reality, uh, can't, under, can't be sure why he's not doing it yet, but it's up to him, or you're sure that he just doesn't exist. That, that's part of the deal. Uh, People who have a let go, let God mentality, often that's what happens. God's supposed to do it. And so the problem is, if the fruit's not created in my life, whose fault is it? It's the Holy Spirit's. He said he was going to do it. (laughs) So it's not there. It's the Holy Spirit's issue. It's not mine. That's 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 one misrepresentation of walking in the Spirit. Uh, Then you've got folk who are all into the working part, right? Add to your faith. And so what they do... As they move up from Florida to Upper Michigan, and they, they need a snowblower, and they go, they get the biggest and the best one, and they're all set. And Sven, you know, first snow, it's just, just a couple of inches, but he wants to use that snowblower. So he, he gets out there, and he gets all bundled up, and he gets out there, comes in a couple hours later, huffing and puffing. And his wife says, what's the deal? He said, well, I just got to learn to better manipulate that snowblower. And it, it's good, though. You know, and it, I got it pretty well cleaned. It's not as good as I wanted to, but it's, I'm, I'm learning. It's, it's going okay. He says, well, all right, all right. Next snow, seven, eight inches. And Sven gets all bundled up. He gets out there, comes in six hours later. And he's off and puffing. And his wife says, what is the deal? He says, well... I'm working here to get it, and it's, we're getting it, and it's just, I think there might be something wrong with that snowboard. It's just not as doing what I thought, but you know, oh well, I'm, I'm working hard on this. And throughout the whole the winter, Sven keeps the same thing. She's, she's taking him to the hospital a couple different times because he's coming in so wiped out, and it's just not going. After, you know, spring comes, and he loads that baby onto the trailer and brings it back to Lowe's. And says, so, hey, listen, there's a problem with this snowblower. It's just not, doesn't do it. You advertise one, but it doesn't do it. And so the salesman looks over this thing and says, wow, I said, you got a good one. Uh, and then the salesman starts it up. And Sven says, what, what's that noise? Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you just think how, how difficult it would be to plow the snow, push that snow with that snowblower without the engine on? You, you can probably do it. You can probably, it'll probably push the snow is my guess. But I mean, I have got an ancient a day's Aaron's snowblower. Big old thing. I can barely push it on cement when the engine's not going. I, uh, it would be crazy. There's this, this thought that, that, that when you have the snowblower, right? 
both, I've got to maintain it, and I've got to fill it with fuel, and I've got to start that baby up, and I've got to hang on and adjust the, the chute and make sure the auger's going and make sure the engines, the, the wheels get rolling. And once that's going, I can do this. It's fairly, fairly simple. It's, it's okay. Uh, but, but both of us have to be working together. If you're not engaging the engine, and you're trying to get this fruit up, and you're trying to do this Christian life thing, and it's just not working, and it's not working, and it's not working, you're going to say either A, it's all a bunch of baloney, it doesn't work, no way, forget it, or B, it's just too hard, I hate this. I just hate it. That's where you're going. But if you can engage the engine, engage the power source. different. So you might be thinking, well, I guess I don't know how to engage the engine because it's just a battle for me. Well, that's, it's, it's just kind of a battle. That's, that's right. So don't go there yet. Verse 16. Look, watch what he says here. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, that, that word flesh that Paul uses, he's not talking about your body. It's a very technical term, theological term for Paul. He's referring to an old nature in you. He's referring to your, who you were before the Spirit came in and, and set you free and gave you a, a heart of a flesh. He, he's, he's, he's talking about your your old default system. And so once you become a Christian, you enter into a major war because you get the new, new heart, you get spirit, but your old nature doesn't completely leave. You're not chained to him anymore. You're not required to do, but he's hanging out there and he's talking to you and he's yelling at you. Look at what Paul says, Romans 7. He says, for I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Have you ever been there? For I know that nothing good dwells in me that's in my flesh. He knows that, my old nature. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want. That's what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find to be a law that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. He's got this battle going on inside him. Uh, the, the picture is if uh, somebody's, you're living, let's say you, you're living in the streets. You grew up in the streets. You never knew your dad, mom, all strung out drugs and left you years ago, and you just had to grow up in the streets as a kid. You live underneath a, a bridge. Things like ethics and niceties, those are out the window. The deal is survival. You've learned you have to be suspicious. Trust nobody. You will still do whatever it takes to stay alive because it's all about survival there. Uh, you, 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 crime is, is the culture you live in. Well, a king decides to adopt you. And he takes you right out of the street and takes you home and gives you a bath and gives you cleaned up and dresses you in royal clothes and you're standing there and you're looking kind of royal and everything else. But what's going through your mind? I mean, you're still that kid under the bridge 
Everything that has happened to you and and everything that has been etched into your psyche over years of habit and and what you've gone through and what has, has been a part of your life is still there. And so Paul is saying, that is the sarks. That's the flesh. That's your old way of life. But the Spirit has come into you, right? So every time throughout life, every day, moment by moment, you keep coming up to crossroads where you can either go with your old default system the way you used to do it, the way the kid under the bridge was, or you can go according to your new identity, the, the spirit. You can follow him. And according to what decision you make, moment by moment, is going to determine what happens to you where you go. There was a uh, stories told of an uh, old Indian gentleman, missionary, came to him, brought him to Christ, and Indian said, you know, I, in my heart... Two dogs fighting, good dog and bad dog, fighting, fighting, all the time fighting. And missionary said, well, which dog wins? And he said, the dog I feed wins. And that, that's you, when you make a decision, you know what? You are either feeding the flesh or you are feeding the spirit. And that will go a long way in determining where you go. He, he lets us know, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh, this is what's going to happen. This is what happens if you go down the road of the flesh, right? They're evident. Sexual, first three, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Dealing with uh, our, our sexuality, most, most powerful gifts God has given us. Elsewhere in Scripture, we, we realize that our sexuality was never meant to be fulfilled by myself. It was never meant to be fulfilled with many others. It was never meant to be fulfilled in my mind. It wasn't. And so when I walk according to my, my old nature, what everyone else is telling me, what the world is at, what, what happens in my sexuality is it, it gets distorted, it gets twisted, and it ends up destroying me. As well, if in fact you find yourself with your, you find your mind going towards this this sexual deviancy or perversion or with other people or in other things, this is what you need to know. You need to know that you're starting to reap the consequences of of walking after the flesh, walking after the old nature. These, this is what's going to happen. It's consequences. If you find yourself going there, Paul would say, "Don't." Walk according to the flesh, your old nature. Walk according to the spirit. Next couple of words are idolatry and sorcery. These are, these are religious deviations. Idolatry, we probably think I have no issue with this. We don't have little Baal statues laying around our house. But idolatry is taking good things, things that God has given us, God and our things, and taking the good things and just moving them up above God. We like God. We don't hate him. Don't get me wrong. But my work, my family, my friends, my reputation, my enjoyment, my money, it's just a little, not a lot more, mind you. It's not way up. It's just a little bit more. The scripture says that's idolatry. That's worship. Worship may not be what happens in here. Worship is what happens in here. And he says that, that if you're there, Putting the other things, that's a consequence of uh, walking in the, the flesh. And it's a downward spiral, right? The more you do that, the, the strong, you're feeding the flesh, the stronger the flesh is. These next eight words, these are all social dysfunction words, right? Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, 
rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. These are relationship words, right? None of them good. None of them good. But but this is where you go when you are walking according to the flesh. Let me just point this out. Often when our relationships go south, it's their fault, isn't it? No, I mean, I'm not perfect and all, but I've got 2% in this one. But it's their fault, their issue. And Paul would say, oh, no, 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 you need to think twice. If you're walking according to the flesh, this is who you become. When we think through in our mind, we replay those tapes of, I can't believe she said this, and I should have said that. And I can't believe he did this. Well, I'm going to, oh, I hope this, ha- and we've got all these vengeful things and, and, and evil thoughts going through in our minds about self-promoting things about ourselves, and the roots of bitterness go deep and they grow strong and we're feeding, feeding, feeding the flesh. The spirit gets weakened and weakened. And then there's the last two words, drunkenness and orgies. These are addictions. This is addicted to substance, addicted to sex, addicted to gaming or work or, or fun or shopping, food. We, 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 it's, it's addictions. It's things that were fun at one point, good at one point, but now they control us. And they were supposed to give fun and freedom, but they have chained us down and they are destroying our lives. Addictions in Paul saying, this is where walking in the flesh will lead you. These are the consequences. We think sometimes, I'm doing this, it's fun. You know what it is? It's consequences. You you don't just quit. When those buildings get built and the foundation goes deep, don't think you can just roll those over real easy. It doesn't work that way. We find up one morning, we wake up and we are are controlled by, we end up being victims. But don't you love verse 22? It says, but, see, if you walk according to the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, any names. And the first one is love. That makes sense, right? That that's on the first. If you think through what is the authenticating sign of a spirit-filled life, some might say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's right doctrine. It's, it's, it's the truth. And it's knowing the truth. Because if you know the truth, see, the truth will make you free. And it's right truth. And it's right doctrine. And we would say, yes, that's very important. Amen. But Paul says that if he can fathom all mysteries, but he doesn't have love, he's nothing. Some folk would say, well, you know, the, it, the real authenticating sign of the Holy Spirit is maybe not cold doctrine, of course, but a warm heart. It's faith. It's, it's realizing that it's not about me doing good things. It's about God's grace and mercy and through faith. It's, it's a life of faith. And we would say that's right. But Paul says... If I have a faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, I'm nothing. Well, folk might say, well, it's a religious experience. You know, you've got to have an encounter with, with God. When you have this encounter with the Lord and, and great manifestations and maybe a wonderful thing. And yet Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of, of angels, but don't have love. I'm nothing. I, the culture I grew up in, the world I grew up in, the, the authenticating sign was service. You know, if you're really working hard, if you're doing lots of stuff at the church and outside the church and you're working hard for the service, that's, that's it. But not a bad thing, right? It's a good thing. We're all on that page, hopefully. But Paul again says that if I take all I possess and give it to the poor, if I sacrifice my body to the flames, talks of martyrdom, 
but don't have love, I'm nothing. The greatest command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Uh, second, dislike it, love your neighbor as yourself. For God so loved that he gave love is... Some have said that all of these others spring forth from love. If you don't have love, none of, you won't have any of the others. We would expect love to be there. Uh, joy, uh, not for my outward circumstances, but because of my relationship with him. We're not going to uh, dig too deep on all of these. But have you ever lived with somebody or been with somebody who is just a killjoy? You know, they, they've got like their own rain cloud and they're just waiting for your parade to come out. They, they, they have just focusing on all the time on what they don't have instead of what they have, on, on you know, how they've been ripped off instead of how they've been blessed. How, it's just negative, negative, Eeyore, Eeyore. The joy of the Lord is not their strength. But through the Spirit, it's joy, it's peace. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's, it's a peace coming from my relationship with him. It's patience, which is the ability to deal with others when they're jerks without them feeling like jerks. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's realizing, giving people room to be human, giving people room to have baggage, giving people, uh, uh, taking away the expectations and the, the, the constant uh, bickering or requirements. I'm not saying do away with truth. It's, it's patience. It's patience. It, it's kindness, which is uh, knowing when to be angry and when not to be angry, treating people like they're actually created in the image of God. It's, it's goodness, which is a moral excellence. It's not fakey fruit. It's stuff from the inside. It's pure, authentic, 100% um, good. It's faithfulness. This person, this person makes promises and then keeps them. The way I used to always deal with this one is just don't make any promises. See, then I don't have any to keep and I'm not worried about it. But this person makes the promises and then keeps them. You can count on this individual. Uh, they're faithful. Gentle is, is meek. They're not arrogant. They're not prideful. I don't know if you tried to hang out with prideful folk. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just a constant defense, constant uh, uh, why they're right, why you're wrong. It's just it's, it's a, a struggle to be in that re- circle. Self-control, where the things that come out of your mouth and the actions that happen and the things you think about are not necessarily driven by, by fleshly appetites, but driven by following the Spirit, driven by what's right. You've got self-control. When we look at the list, we might say, I don't know if I want really to be all these things, but we would all say this, but I want to hang with people who are these things. Can you imagine Dealing with life, everybody at work, everybody at home, all your friends, everybody, are these things pure? This would be okay, right? Life would be. Jesus was, is these things. These things are what we were created originally to be. In the fall, the flesh has taken it away. But his goal, spirit's leading, is to bring us back there, get in step with where the spirit is bringing us, he says. You know, I had a, uh, Teresa and I, years ago, we first got married. We did what most, well, most or not, but a lot of young couples do. We uh, went out and got a dog. We weren't ready for a kid, but we figured we'll get a puppy and we'll, that'll, that'll teach us, right? 
Yeah, so we, we got this, this puppy, and it was, she was a, a gorgeous golden retriever puppy. There's nothing more beautiful in my mind in life than a golden retriever puppy. It's just gorgeous. But they grow up. It's the problem. And so Brittany and I, I, I take Britt for walks, and uh, I'm trying to direct her and lead her. And, but Brittany was not always interested in going where I wanted her to go, and she definitely wasn't interested in going there at the speed I wanted to go. And so she was on one end of the chain, and I was on the other end, and sometimes I thought she was walking me. She had a choke collar, and so every once in a while, I'd give her a yank just to remind her, and she acted like that was nothing, to not a big deal. She's still going all the more. We got done with the walk, and I've been down two or three times. By the time we get in the house, I think both of us had lost any sanctification we may have had, and we hated each other for a while until the next next walk. Uh, Brittany was just a strong-willed dog. I remember Teresa took her to obedience school. She went through multiple obedience schools. But <laughs> Teresa took her to obedience school, and, and one night there was kind of like a defining time at the obedience school. And the dog whisperers were around Teresa and watching her with Britt. And they said, uh, this dog, if she was in a pack, she would be in charge. She's an alpha dog. And because uh, the problem with, with, with Britt is if, in fact, she wanted to go somewhere you didn't want her to go, she would turn on you. The golden retriever is like, a, like a, a pit bull. I don't know what she was, but she was... And so it's a little bit, a little bit scary. So Teresa's there one night, and, and, and Brittany is, is not wanting to do what Teresa wants her to do. And so Brittany's you know, doing that to Teresa. And so Teresa's got her by the back, and the, the dog whispers are saying, she thinks she's alpha. You have to teach her that she's not, because if you don't, you're going to have to put this dog down. It's going to be too dangerous for children. And you're going to have to, you know, she's going to have to learn or else. And so Teresa's holding her head down, and she's kind of crying, I don't want to do this to my dog, but I don't want my dog to eat my arm off either, and she's just kind of holding her down, and the dog whispers are saying, okay, listen, because uh, Britt's still unrelenting, <laughs> she's foaming, and she just waits for I'm going to let you have it, and so she's, Teresa's holding her, and the whispers say, bang her head on the ground a couple of times, and so she does, and, and they're like, I've never seen this before, this dog is so strong, and so she's banging the head, and she's praying, and, and uh, suddenly, Britt just kind of stops. She goes peaceful, and the dog whispers said, that's it. She's broke. She realizes that you are alpha, not her. I think for some of us, you, we have an alpha personality, just natural leaders. Nothing bad with that. That's a good thing. Um, but maybe sometimes we don't like the speed at which the Spirit is trying to, to lead us. We don't like the, the... We think we should be farther along. The fruit should be more. It should be bigger. It should, but it's not there yet. And we don't like what he's doing. And so we decide that we're going. We're moving forward. We're going to take that snowblower. And whether there's an engine or not, we're going to make it, make it happen. And maybe uh, in life and work, we may be an alpha. But we've got to realize when it comes to our walk with the Holy Spirit, you're not alpha. You both can't be. And he's going. And the issue is, are you following? And perhaps you need a defining moment at the obedience school where you stop and realize, Spirit, I've been trying to force this thing. I've been trying to direct this thing. And I, I need to, to, to work, and I need to do what I'm supposed to do, but I, walking is working, but I'm going to follow you. 
Uh, maybe as we talked, even this morning, you recognize you've been going down the, there's been not a lot of battle because you've been going down the, the following the flesh. You, you know Christ. And maybe you're clothed as a prince, but you're not, you're living like you're still under the bridge. And maybe the Spirit has put his finger on some things in your life where it's time. And you know, I, 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 need, I need to repent. I, I need to walk according to the Spirit. No longer according to the the flesh. And so I want to give you that opportunity, if you bow with me,